if you want to customize anything or uh, implement a certain layout or design or um, yeah there's no other way around it like you can use tailwind and you can get so far but if you don't have a deep understanding you will never create really professional designs or uh, applications i think yeah Hello and welcome to another episode of The Code of Career with me, your host, Cameron Blackwood. Today's guest is Ilko Viersman. Ilko's kind of done it all in the tech industry. He's worked at companies large and small, he's been an entrepreneur, and is currently running his own UI library. We have a fascinating conversation, ranging from pragmatic development, the future of front-end, and of course, being a digital nomad. There's no sponsor this week, but I have relaunched a Patreon, so if you're interested in supporting the show, getting some exclusive benefits both for here and my YouTube channel, please just let me know. Also, do be aware that I have a platform called Startup Crowd Jobs, where if you're looking for an entry-level software engineering role, uh, we have startups hiring across the UK advertising on there, so do check that out. But without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey, Oko, okay. how you doing? Good to, uh, good to meet you. Yeah, pretty good. How about you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Uh, it's become a massive tradition now that I always have to talk about the weather. Um, I guess it's a British stereotype as well for me to talk about that uh, at the start of every podcast. And um, you know what? I, today, it's been amazing weather here in Edinburgh, apart mm-hmm. from the half hour at lunchtime that I went out on a run and it uh, stormed that entire time. Uh, so I came back completely soaked. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully to anyone who's watching any clips of this episode uh, on TikTok, uh, it's not too obvious uh, that I got caught in a storm a couple of hours ago. Um, but other than that, I'm, uh, I'm good. Am I, am I right in thinking you're, uh, you're in Spain, right? The weather must be pretty good. Um, no, actually, I, I just got to the Netherlands last week. Uh, oh, I was cool. coming here a couple of weeks. Uh, so I drove all the way from Spain to, to Netherlands in my camper van and... Uh, but actually, the the weather in the 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 last three months where I live in Spain was actually worse than here in the Netherlands. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. What can you do? <laughs> so you're very much putting the nomad in digital nomad, then, in the sense of you're driving around in the camp van working from there. Oh yeah, definitely. I've been nomading for I guess almost ten years now, and uh, I, I'm kind of oh, wow. uh, really slowing down now and uh, wanting to find a place for the long term. But yeah, I'm I'm quite. Uh, experience in no wedding i would say then that's really cool um we get quite a lot of listeners that are keen on doing that at some point so i'm sure um i'm sure that they'd be looking for some tips um so if, if if people haven't come across you before do you want to explain a little bit about who you are and what what you work on um yeah so i'm i'm ilko i'm dutch uh, i live all over the place but kind of settling down on, on spain right now um yeah i've been software developer for professionally for 19 years almost i think i've been freelancing for most of my time i really have a love for ui and design and although i'm a much better developer i kind of bring these things together as a i, I guess you could say I'm, I'm kind of a generalist because i also like building businesses i built my own camper van i built motorbikes i, I just love building stuff so uh yeah that, that's kind of who i am i guess in in short that's really cool. Really cool. Uh, I wish I was as good with my hands as to build motorbikes and camper vans. <laughs> <laughs> for, for me, it's very important to be able to get out of my head and, and do some phys- physical things besides doing purely programming because, I don't know, it's really easy for me to get in the rut or, uh, I don't know, it keeps things balanced for me, yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I've been thinking about this recently, about how 
um, I need to do skills that are not kind of programming related. Mm-hmm. Like I do things outside of work, like I, like I play rugby and stuff, but like obviously that's not useful as a skill. Um, you know, <laughs> I I I, th- I feel like I need to be. It, this was all triggered by um, by me breaking the tap in our bathroom, um, and um, it was stuck on full blast um and i couldn't figure out how to fix it um and then i couldn't then after that i couldn't figure out where the water mains were so i couldn't turn it off at the mains um and i just thought god like i'm i'm about to turn 28 i really should like get better with my hands so that's a big like helpful for these situations (laughs) (laughs) and i think as well your brain tends to work if you're a developer I feel like it lends itself very nicely to doing mm-hmm. that that sort of thing anyway. So absolutely right. When when I was building uh, either my bikes or my camper van, like you kind of like this, for me, I I'm a self-taught developer, so I'm I'm really learned by trial and error and just trying things out and uh, yeah, all this analytical thinking and I I kind of applied all the same to building this and uh, it's a sim- similar kind of challenge, but you you use your hands, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think um, what one thing I often get is people ask me, like, uh, how do I know if I would be a good developer? Because a lot of people I speak to are, you know, thinking about getting into tech because I'm myself mm. as well. I'm self-taught, career changer. Um, and I often say, like, a big sign. I mean, obviously, it's not a definite thing, but I, I say if you enjoyed stuff like playing with Lego as a kid, Oh, yes. um you know exactly. that that if your brain works that way then it'll often be a good match for you obviously yeah. that's not always the case uh either you know maybe you didn't and you still like it or you know maybe you did and you, you don't like it but it's kind of a correlation i've found yeah yeah it was interesting i was always obsessed with putting the same colors together and making something that looks really good with lego and yeah. other kids they just built something completely random and uh yeah, there's definitely, you can see different kinds of personalities in that. Yeah, I was obsessed with building um, little, like, towns that had uh, the roads, like, mapping in the right directions and that oh, kind yeah. of thing, yeah. um, which, you know, I think, I was thinking about this the other day, like, the dream software for me to work on. I would love to work on something like Smart Cities related or something like that. I think yeah. that would be so cool, That's like, figuring game. out, like, yeah. yeah, figuring out, like, how to make pedestrians lives easier you know if if it's like walkable cities and like mm-hmm. how you can have efficient public transport or mm-hmm. like reduce car emissions and that kind of thing i think that would be really exciting to work on i'm not sure where i'd even start with that though yeah i have also no, uh, no idea as a web developer <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean I'll, i think i'll probably stick with the student grad jobs board uh for now uh and then you know who knows maybe yeah. maybe pivot it somehow into smart cities but um for for your kind of um origination into software engineering and web development um you're saying how you're self-taught what, what's the story how did you discover it um well when i was young we didn't have a computer at home but always when we were going to friends of my parents or um yeah and people had a computer like i i was hooked and i i just had to use it and play games on it and uh, uh i kept kept asking my parents please buy one please buy one and, and finally we had like a real old uh three what was it three three eighty six or something like this dos machine and uh i was i was just amazed by what you could do and i was just hacking through dos and and trying to understand everything and breaking everything that i had to my parents had people coming over fixing the installations <laughs> and like yeah i just learned by breaking everything all the time and yeah at some point 
uh, they actually bought like a Windows PC and I could start doing more fun stuff and uh, uh, at the time we didn't have internet yet so I would always go to a friend of mine from high school who had internet at home and uh, his brother was a programmer already and, and he was learning as well and I, I still remember he was writing some HTML I didn't I had no idea what it was and it was like a BR tag there and I asked him like what is what, what does this do and he said yeah this this makes a new line and uh, he shows me how it worked and I, I was my mind was blown yeah. and <laughs> that's where when I, I started uh, at home I was started hacking in front page and uh, finally I convinced my parents to get the 56 k uh, modem and uh, we had internet and I I don't know I uh, everything started from there yeah yeah back when it was properly just it was literally sending document well i mean i suppose it's still sending documents across but that was more of the internet experience back then where it's just simpler web pages the br tags um it's funny because because of how advanced it's gotten like i mean i learned to code in 2018 mm. and i feel like it's already advanced so much from there oh, in just five no, years so. so going so fast in recent years yeah yeah uh, that's interesting so would you say it's exponential in the sense of it's growing much faster now than it was say i guess from the time scale we're talking here like late 90s early 2000s um yeah i would say definitely say so like i mm. i was building websites with tables for years and uh, yeah <laughs> then you had the browser wars where you, like every browser had this different implementation of css and it, it was just a massive drama and uh this the, we kind of passed this station uh, some years ago and like we have so much tools now like we we are actually a lot of developers including me are kind of overwhelmed they have no idea where to start and there's so much tooling for everything especially in if you look in the javascript scene where i work uh, yeah it's it, it can be a challenge i think yeah it represents quite an interesting problem because there is so much and then a lot of i i, I think a lot of the influence online can lead people in different directions because there's obviously mm -hmm. there's the most performance stuff like the bleeding edge but probably no one's actually using that yet and actually a lot of the time it's not even that stable so it's probably not a good idea to build something production in it and then there's the stuff where there's loads of code written in it like whatever it is like 80 percent of the internet is built on php but yeah. i wouldn't encourage a new developer to learn php at the moment but then you've also got like the job market is, is like very biased towards in javascript react but then equally as well, I feel like if you were to spend an hour or two on Twitter, all you'd see is people complaining about React uh, because it's the <laughs> incumbent. And that, that, that's what happens with the incumbent. Um, so I could imagine you end up with the, I remember my, my driving instructor used the phrase paralysis by analysis, yeah, exactly. where you just get in complete inaction because there's so much choice. And, yeah. you know, and that's just front end, like the whole sphere of it. I could imagine, well, I mean, I say, say imagine I found it very confusing and I knew I wanted to be a front end developer. Yeah, yeah. For me, this was actually the exciting part and why I was hooked in in JavaScript. Like I started out with HTML, CSS, and PHP back in the day with Cake PHP and and some other frameworks. And as soon as Node.js was out, I was like, I had another like, wow. Yeah. And I, I I then I knew, oh fuck, now I'm just gonna go all in on JavaScript and and. Uh, yeah, now I kind of hate it and love it, I guess, <laughs> because of all these reasons. But um, yeah, now we have all these new concepts for like React server components, and there's like completely new paradigms on how to build React apps. Like another layer of confusing I can see all around on the internet now. Right now, a lot of 
less experienced developers are struggling, I feel like. And uh, yeah, no, things are moving, moving there very fast at the moment, I guess. Yeah, I, it does seem like we've almost entered, I can't remember who said it, it might have been Theo from um, uh, uh, Ping uh, that said this, I think, uh, that we've entered like the third era of React now um mm -hmm. with next as standard and the server components but um it's quite interesting you say this because in the last couple of days i've noticed some serious pushback on the yeah. new versions of next and to be honest i haven't migrated over and i could have but i it just concerns me that there seems it. to be yeah <laughs> there seems to be quite a few bugs that haven't been quite fixed yet and i'm on v12 and it is very stable and works yeah. nicely so yeah. You know, if it ain't broken, all that. <laughs> I, I feel like they they pushed it a bit too too fast, and uh, yeah. there were there's still a lot of problems to be solved, and it's definitely not stable yet. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's because they had this conference and they they wanted to have it ready and make a big deal out of it uh, before that. And I don't know, it doesn't seem like the the best choice. I think, yeah. There's something to be said around that. I wonder if um, you could almost call it like conference-driven development. Uh, where, <laughs> that's, that's bad, yeah. where it just has to be out for the conference or yeah. um, you know I mean that's been a thing in the gaming industry for years hasn't it where it just has to be out mm. for a certain event and that kind of thing oh so, yeah I, yeah, I still remember a couple of games that they, they completely failed the launch yeah <laughs> that's, that's a big risk yeah absolutely and for, for you what, what happened in that gap between um, you know learning on your friend's computer going on 56k modem and mm -hmm. all of that you you built some businesses as you said you've mainly been independent over that time what what's brought you to the point where you are now and what you're working on at the moment the new the sash ui product oh oh that's a big question <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a question that spans like 15 years right <laughs> um I, I guess i i start a little bit at the start look um so yeah, I, I finished university and I was already working for some companies and uh, was working mostly in B2B software. Uh, before that, I, I built websites for local companies and, and things like that and for very little money. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah, after doing, I don't know uh, about the timeline exactly, but five, eight years of freelancing for different uh, mostly small to medium-sized companies. I, I really had no ambition for uh, enterprise or whatsoever. Um, uh, I was kind of fed up with building products that failed or building products and ideas that I didn't believe in or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was completely not motivated anymore and then I just thought that I can do it better myself and I want to be my own boss and decide my own ideas, work on my own ideas and, and uh, yeah, so I, I started with a colleague of mine and uh, we started off with some really idealistic ideas to, um, yeah, that that after a year or two turned out not to be monetizable, so we had to pull the plug. And then um, my colleague had experience in e-commerce, like he, he's been building web shops and, and selling products online and he saw a, a chance to bring together voice telephony with data in e-commerce, e-commerce data. And yeah, so our previous product was also related to voice and we could reuse a lot of the stack and we started building uh, what was called Belco. It's kind of a joke, like uh, calling in Dutch is Bellum and my name is Ilko and we just mix it together to Belco, uh, like calling Ilko. Uh, and yeah, we just started building and um, 
connecting Twilio voice to, to Shopify, Magnet, uh, Magento, and, and some other products. And yeah, what you could do is uh, connect the data. So when somebody called and, and the phone number was available in your database, the, the operator could already see, okay, they place this and this order, or mm. these, these products are in the shopping cart, or this problem before, and just help people faster and, and optimize the customer service. And yeah, after some years, this grew out to an all-in-one customer service tool with live chat, email, Facebook, social media integrations, and uh, and whatnot. Um, it took uh, took us a long time before we were really profitable. It took long, much longer than we expected. Like, kind of underestimated it. Like every first-time founder, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we we did manage to to keep going and um, uh, yeah, actually make profit and and live from our own product and. Um, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, um, it must be a very like liberating feeling to know that I've built something that I can actually live off the proceeds of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, after after all these years of hard work mm. and trying out in different directions and pivoting a little bit, and uh, uh, yeah, it's like the the best the best um, how to say reward you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then uh, we were finally there, and uh, for me, I was like, yeah, okay, now we have a business. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really didn't feel like managing people. I didn't want to run a team, and uh, I wanted to keep my freedom, and uh, so I, yeah, I started thinking what I want, and um, I thought it was a good moment to, to for a big exit to a, to a competitor or whatever, and... Uh, yeah, continue what we set out initially, just build products and, um, yeah, build business models and build products and keep going. And, and for me, that was still the case. But my, my co-founder was kind of married to the idea. He was not ready yet to, to go out. And so we found another solution. Like uh, I exited for a good um, good price, very good price. And, uh, yeah, that, that was at the end of the, the story, basically. Mm, that's it's really really cool um and now you're now you're building something very cool and something that funnily enough I, I can't remember how we ended up connecting on twitter there was some discussion around ui libraries i think and then maybe someone recommended what you're working on and i clicked it and ah, I was yes like, this, i think so yeah, yeah i was like this looks sick this is exactly what i need so do you want to talk a little bit about what sash ui is and the problems you're aiming to solve with this um yeah, so um, during building this this product, um, there's so much more I didn't tell. Like <laughs> it's very <laughs> difficult to condense everything and yeah. get it out of my head. Um, but yeah, I I built the entire product myself. I I built the infrastructure, I built the tech, I built I designed everything. I I talked with customers about the problems and how we could solve them. I did uh, last part of of the website uh, copy and. Uh, yeah, and my co-founder was more focused on sales and etc. But yeah, one one big mistake I think I did is putting too much on my own shoulder. And at mm-hmm. yeah, at that point that we finally were there, I I just uh, I I was kind of overwhelmed as well. I think um, with everything what happened. Um, so that's something I really wanted to different in in the next company I was gonna build. And together with that, like. Uh, 
we run into a lot of scaling issues that I had to solve. Uh, issues with technical depth, issues with uh, being very hard to change our branding and, and all these things. And, and that kind of led to Sash UI, I guess, um, together. Like, I really thought about what it means for me to, to build a company. Um, I don't want to be completely consumed by customer service. I, I didn't want to run a big team. Uh, and somewhat, uh, well, it's not passive, but somewhat semi-passive, uh, generating semi-passive income. And then be able to, to run this and, and work on new ideas, you know, that kind of connect to this. Um, so initially I set out to, to build an, um, uh, sort of a no-code tool. Um, for Belco, we integrated a lot of APIs. Uh, like I, I didn't, of, of course, I didn't build everything from scratch. So mm-hmm. use Twilio, Milgun, and all these kind of services. Um, and yeah, there was kind of quite some time used to to maintain these things. Like APIs change, uh, dependencies change, and technology changes. And uh, yeah, you definitely need quite some time to to maintain everything. And I, I wanted to make this easier for SaaS businesses and and give them a tool where they get SDKs to integrate third-party services and uh, build, build integrations with other SaaS products. That, that was kind of the broad idea. And that, yeah, that was then connected to maybe no code tool. And um, yeah, it, it then, it turned out to be too big of an idea to, to build myself. And I would put myself in the same situation again that I didn't want. So, uh, and then it, uh, just occurred to me, yeah, I can just take one part that I really enjoy doing, uh, that uh, I know a lot about, I am passionate about it, and uh, maybe later I can still do all these things. So that that turned out to be Sashua. Like I, I built the UI library that I wanted to use for my own products. That's really, really, really cool. And I often find as well with technical products, uh, often you hear in the story of, of building them, they uh they're trying to build a suite of stuff and then they realize they're really really good at one thing in particular and then mm-hmm. that's what becomes the killer feature mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean it's, it's really cool i mean what what's the process of actually um building a ui library in your case like how, how does it actually work like from day one um well from day one is uh, i actually did a lot of research into what what core I should use and I, I didn't want to build from scratch like I, mm-hmm. I never do I like I want to build a business I don't want to build the best tech or reinvent the real like I, I just yeah my I time totally totally agree so, yeah so then I, I found out about Chakra UI uh, I already was using Emotion uh, uh, for CSS and DS in some other products and yeah I, I just for me the DX that Chakra UI gives is just the best out there um uh, so I I built my library on on top of this, and this allowed me to go much faster and actually focus on the things that I am good at and and build something, um, yeah, that that I think is is great. Yeah, I I I'm a huge advocate for Chakra UI as well because um, it's what I'm yeah it's what I'm using in most of my products as well actually. So I use that um, for more my personal projects and that at my day job I I use Ant Design which is all right, but it can be it, 
can have quite a lot of problems randomly um, <laughs> and unexpectedly and a lot yeah. of the support isn't the best. So um, I always tell people, you know, to use um, to use Chakra. And something I really like about your UI library is how it's kind of perfect for indie hackers in the sense of like, it's actually written with business in mind, which mm-hmm. I think it feels like a lot of, uh, even just UI libraries that kind of don't write things with business in mind. Um, and really they should because... I always tell people, look, the reality of it is we write software most of the time either to make money or save money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, business goals are critical. And, you know, like I from checking out what uh, how stuff like the table works, for instance, in, in your in your library, it, it's clearly the philosophies have been embraced, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I wanted to build a library that's really useful for B2B software since like that's all I did in, mm. in most of my career. And that's I, I find really interesting to solve these kind of problems. and. I applied a lot of problems that I ran into in my own software and um, tried to apply them there in in, in this UI library. Um, yeah, and like I obviously I was really inspired by Linear as well. Um, and for for me, Linear really redefined what it's what it means to build good B two B software. And I, I I wanted to build something that other developers can use to build similar quality software, or at least make it easier. And that that was kind of the idea behind it. And yeah, you you asked me about the process. Um, I don't know how to talk really talk about it. Like, I I had all these ideas in my head, and I just started building. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just built everything that I feel like uh, I I kept building over and over again for mm. my products. And yeah, then from from A you go to Z and. Uh, um, that's kind of it and right now also i'm i keep trying uh, talking as much as possible with customers kind of see what problems they run into what kind of components they need and um yeah that, that's kind of how i want to continue growing the library in, instead of building a massive mm-hmm. amount of components like you see in all these other ui libraries i really want to focus on smaller parts like uh the filters the filtering component that that you can use with the tables. I think you you don't see this anywhere else. Uh, yeah, except in linear. And I, yeah, I, I really like to solve these kind of things and more specialized. Uh, yeah, Spe- specialization, especially in a if you're a small team, in a sense of like, is either yourself or a couple of people. Like, is always the best way because that's how you can that's how you can beat people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think in in Peter Levels's book, uh, he talks about that quite a bit about how. This a specialized market is still often a huge market. If you're operating on a world uh, on a worldwide scale, which you are by default with the internet, like it's still you know even if something's quite specialized, as a small yeah. team you can absolutely crush it. Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. And I I feel like uh, there there is more competition out now. Like this year, Shiatsian mm-hmm. uh, the UI library became massively popular with Tailwind, of course. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's kind of sometimes hard to you start comparing yourself with like yeah. uh, i think this project has like 20k stars on github and i have like not even 1k yet but uh i i, I don't know i i built for a sort of a b2b niche and it's working for me so mm. um yeah it's it's what i always say is like it's really important to always compare to your former self and, and not to competitors or other people and uh yeah that, that's that's very important i think I hugely agree with that. The only comparison is uh, is to yourself, especially if we're talking like learning to code as well. Like mm-hmm. the industry is always going to be advancing, but 
if you think about where you were the year before, particularly earlier on in your career, it's crazy what the difference is. Like yeah. I still keep all my old GitHub repos with like my super, super basic stuff from when I first started learning to go. Cause it's just so motivating to realize, okay, no, I have come on a long way from here. And it, mm-hmm. it helps with the self doubt that inevitably creeps in. Um, and it, I had an interesting experience with UI libraries actually when, cause I actually, cause I saw, because of self-taught, you end up missing loads of stuff, right? When you mm-hmm. self-teach, everyone mm-hmm. does. And then the first two coding jobs I have, I had, and now I'm in job three. Um, weirdly, we didn't use UI libraries at all. Uh, so we hand-built all our stuff. So I didn't actually really know that UI libraries really existed until about two years ago. Um, so I never had any kind of exposure to it while I was still a junior. Mm-hmm. For juniors, because a lot of people listen to our show, I reckon 25% haven't got their first job yet um mm. w- what would you say to them if one they're maybe a bit nervous about learning uh a ui library or, or like using one um they might think it's cheating um or the other concern they might have is that they're worried they're not going to learn the fundamentals of css w- mm. would you advise they use it or use it in combination with something or mm. don't use it at all um well if you if you look at how i learned everything uh I I always try to use libraries like back in the day I used uh, what was it called ext.js like in in hindsight it really sucked but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could build quite advanced UIs and it would turn out really slow but uh, I I did learn a lot from this and I I just started building with it and then uh, especially look into their source code and try to understand what actually happens behind the scenes and why it works like it does and. For me, this is the the biggest tip I can give anybody. Just start using the library, but not only use it, just look in the source code. There's so much good open source stuff. Try to understand how these ex- very experienced developers build this stuff and, and you will become much better uh, automatically. And yeah, some one other thing is, um, I would say you going, going forward, um, I think it it becomes more important for developers to to learn other uh, soft skills, business skills, and you you like if you know how to improve a business, you become much more valuable than being a very good uh, CSS programmer. Like the yep. CSS is great, but it doesn't directly add business value. So um, focusing more on these skills and and using libraries to move faster is much more important to me than mm. becoming a, a computer science a PhD. A, uh, kind of guy yeah yeah this doesn't move the needle yeah it's all about leverage i think yeah. is the thing and if you understand what you're leveraging like it's you know obviously i totally respect people that go down the academic route of computer science but like for me from my side like it was never going to be me because my degrees in business like i mm-hmm. i i could only have a limited understanding once you get down to a certain level of the stack just because um you know a lot of it comes down to the basic interest and i don't know if i really could pull myself out of bed to work on c uh, all day to be honest um, yeah. you know I, I like building stuff that's close to the consumer and if chances are if you're learning to code as an adult um, that's probably what you're going to want to do is probably want to get a job and it's all about leveraging UI libraries but as you say like having a look um, under the hood and thinking okay how mm-hmm. does this all actually work because you could equally make the argument that using React is cheating when it's not like <laughs> you know it's yeah. it, it's just using the tools at your disposal um, mm-hmm. and you know the, the tools are always going to be there and it's about how you use them correctly like 
obviously exactly. good CSS knowledge helps with UI libraries anyway, but I totally agree with taking a look under the hood, like it's free to do so. And I think for me, when I started doing that, I became a much better developer because I realized, oh, this isn't just magic. Like this is actually just someone else's code that I'm just using. Mm-hmm. And it sounds silly mm-hmm. to almost say that out loud, but actually it did really feel like magic. I didn't actually really understand how it worked. Like, <laughs> yes, I just thought, but... oh, oh, this is awesome. I just put NPM, I, whatever. And then suddenly yeah. this, my problem gets solved until yeah. it's not solved. Uh, and then that's when, you know, the skill comes in digging through that code and seeing mm-hmm. how it works. Yeah. yeah and then, I mean, the, the, I guess there's two ways you can go. Or you become super specialized in, in solving a certain problem, like maybe data science or something. Like, mm. th- there's definitely, like, good future for this, I think, with AI and, and everything. Um, um, or, yeah, you go in the, this direction and uh, be closer to end users and, like... Yeah, solving problems for end users is much broader. Like, yeah, um, definitely. And one other thing I wanted to say. Ah, yes, about CSS. I, I, I think, still think it's really important you have a good understanding uh, of CSS because if you want to customize anything or uh, implement a certain layout or design or, um, yeah, there's no other way around it. Like, you can use Tailwind and you can get so far, but if you don't have a deep understanding, you will never create really professional designs or um, applications, I think, yeah. Yeah, I always say to people, understand the box model, um, how and why that works, mm-hmm. um, understand Flexbox, understand mm-hmm. Grid, and then that's when you start rolling with CSS, and then you can start building cooler stuff. Like, yeah. you don't need to do crazy CSS art or anything like that, although cool if you, if you can. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, like, you need to have a it helps you need to have the functional understanding of it to actually take advantage of a ui library to its full potential yeah yeah and you need to be able to connect the the blocks together in in a way that makes sense and obviously you've been a digital nomad since before it was cool right like 10 years so um how's that experience been of building products on the road like what challenges have there been like anything people could learn from that experience Mm -hmm. um yeah so when i started out I, i moved to berlin and I, I wanted to get more experience in, in the startup scene there as I was just starting to build my own startup back then. Um, yeah, and I actually, there I was really surprised how easy it just was. I just took my laptop and uh, I could work from Berlin in Germany. And uh, I, would, I was already u- used a lot to working remote, of course. Uh, uh, so that helped a lot. Um, but yeah, then I, I just realized, wow, this is easy. I can, why, why? don't I just go to Thailand? And, and so I did with a colleague. And uh, yeah, that turned out to be an amazing opportunity because I was able to uh, stop freelancing as much because the life was much cheaper there. Like I, mm. I, at some point I was living from, from 1,000 euros per month. And I had a lot of time to travel and also to work on my startup and, and build my product. Um, yeah, that, that, that was really amazing. Um, and sometimes also hard because yeah. the the time zone difference our company was based in the netherlands and usually at 10 p.m at night over there i would get customer questions or i had to solve a problem or uh yeah these kind of things that was that was a little downside um and yeah when, when you when you travel you you know you you always want to you are in a new place and you want to experience it you want to see everything uh and try everything out and, and yeah get to know the place and 
yeah that that can sometimes be challenging challenging as well because you need to work you know yeah and uh, you we all know these pictures from working on the beach and uh it doesn't really work <laughs> yeah i mean the, the sun glare on the laptop alone is bad but um, yeah yeah so uh, after posting these a few times on, on my instagram <laughs> i <laughs> uh, uh yeah i i like backpacking and and building and working uh, it doesn't work so the the trick is to travel slow just stay six months uh, three six mm. months in the same place you have the weekends or some other days to travel around there and get get to know pe- new people and uh, that, that's very important i think and i'm i guess a lot of people these days now already realized it's really important um so well, one other thing is maybe um it's been a while, but I I always loved working at co-working spaces uh, where I, wherever I went and make new connections and make friends and talk about business and ideas. So that that's definitely I can recommend. Don't stay in working in coffee shops. Uh, that, yeah, that's really I, boring at <laughs> at some point. I I agree because I I work remote. Um, in Scotland for a company in London and yeah. it can get, sometimes it can get a bit like, especially if, uh, cause like aside from my girlfriend and my cat, like I playing rugby. So I see my teammates there, but like every time I'm injured, I realize that I'm actually only speaking to like two people all week in person. So, you know, it, it, it it's going to make more sense that I'm going to get a co-working membership, uh, for, um, for myself. I'm just kind of cheap at the moment, but, um <laughs> i think i might it's my birthday in a couple of weeks so i might get myself like a membership as a present um yeah, for uh uh for it because i just think it's such a good idea because um you get the mindset of okay i'm going to work now but then also as well the networking opportunities particularly if you're in a new place and you don't know yes. anyone so it's a really good way of doing it yeah yeah definitely um yeah and so after my adventures in in asia i decided i i want to build my camper van so uh, I, I lived and worked in my camper van for two years almost, I think. <laughs> That's and really that, cool. That was a whole new challenge. Uh, yeah. But no, actually, it turned out quite easy in in Europe. Like you have 4G connections pretty much everywhere, yeah. and um, like you can kind of migrate from northern Europe in the summer to going south slowly and and spending the the winters in in Spain. And uh, yeah, actually. That that was one of the the greatest experience I had so far. I think living in my van and and just traveling around and uh, yeah, have your own house with you all the time. It's pretty amazing, I think. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. And do you use um? So you're using four G. You're not being tempted to try Starlink or uh, anything like that yet. Um, I ha- I haven't needed it yet uh, yeah. here, but uh, I I've seen some places in Spain where I might settle down. My, maybe I need a Starlink at some point. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing how quick some of this internet can actually go. Like, um, even though I'm in like the center of Edinburgh, because the streets are like cobbled, it's really difficult for them to lay fiber connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually have a modem that picks up a five G connection, and it's amazing. I get three hundred down, one hundred up. Yeah, it's um, like, cities. Yeah, thirty second ping, like it's crazy. Um, so it's really good for uh, you know, if I was to do the Nomad thing, I'll just carry my five G uh, modem uh, with me because mm-hmm. it's small enough to fit in a bag. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really good. Um, but yeah, the camper van uh, that sounds really cool. Although um, I'm not sure I'd be very good at parallel parking a camper van. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, to give it some time, it will everything get uh, you can do to everything. <laughs> 
And um, are you, you're doing this uh, in sort of like part-time at the moment, aren't you? You're, you're also working a job as well. Are you, are you front-end developing there or um, how's, that, how's that going? Um, yeah, I was actually uh, working full-time on Musashi UI when I started out. Um, yeah. And that was going great and I was having a lot of fun by myself. Uh, and then I, I started thinking about my... Uh, my ideas again about my no-code tool and, and API integrations. And at that moment, I, I found out about Wundergraph. And they just, they built a platform that makes all of this possible. So I, I directly started talking with the owner, with Jens. And uh, yeah, we we kept, kept talking. And uh, uh, soon turned out I was starting to work for them. So <laughs> I kind of, it comes kind of full circle to me. Like I I can make my uh, my dream platform come to reality and uh, on the side I, I have time to to continue on, on the UI stuff as well um, yeah it's really great when you find an employer that understands that you want to work on cool stuff outside and mm-hmm. they're like great with work-life balance like same thing with my current employer like I would have no reason to leave like I have a really really great team like enough, uh, you know, work-life balance that I can work on my side yeah. projects and the podcast, and it's just no issue at all. Like, yeah. it's it's when employers understand, it's awesome. Yeah, no, that's actually, uh, actually, yeah, the, the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing it. But also, of course, I, I can still work on my dream vision, and like uh, it, it all, everything fits in my bigger picture. So, uh, yeah, it's just the perfect situation for me. Yeah. And are you uh, are you doing like front end stuff mainly there, or are you expanding the horizons a little bit? Um, I, yeah, I mean it's it's the it's a startup, so there's uh, a lot of things to do, and uh, <laughs> there's always need for some more. And uh, yeah, I kind of um, uh, kind of a generalist there as well, like uh, kind of perfect situation for me as well. Uh, yeah. like I, I I'm focusing on on improving the DX of the SDKs that we built. Um, working on docs or then I work on the website or help with yeah I don't know just where I'm needed uh, and where I have some knowledge about I will hop in and and try to to move the company forward nice sounds good and um, another thing I want to ask is we talked a bit about like the new version next earlier and how things are getting a bit more I guess unclear would be the word for developers of all levels but especially Mm -hmm. juniors what do you see as like what does the next five years of front end development look like to you, and how would you advise people to get ahead, regardless of if they're junior or senior? Um, yeah, I think the the amount of change we will see in the next five years is something we can barely compre- comprehend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's really difficult to predict this, but um, yeah, it, we I think we will. Yeah, we will see we see a lot of change, um, and that will mean a lot to what choices you can make at this moment. I think. Um, mm. So, yeah, that kind of boils down to what I said before: is um, fo- focus on on building soft skills, focusing on learning how to build a business, and like as a as a developer, you will be able to achieve ten times the productivity that you have right now. And if you don't know how to build, uh, architect a system, or how to sell a business you will get all a massive amount of competition like we have a lot of talent coming from from uh, brazil and uh, asia and a lot of new talents coming to the market 
for much cheaper rate that we are that you are used in in the US or maybe in Europe. Um, so on the other hand, we see already massive layoffs with all these uh, tech companies. Uh, like I think 300k salaries for software developer will disappear. Mm. So a lot of people will need to have to adjust to lower salaries. I think uh, all around. Um, but yeah, if you can keep adding value in different ways to to companies, you you can make a uh, you have a bright future. I think, and uh, you need to learn to how to deal with it, and uh, you need to be flexible in learning new stuff. And um, mm, yeah, that's that's very important. I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree around the commercial side of things, and it's just completely ignored uh, a lot of the time in terms of like what you need to lo- work on, and everyone's talking about how you have to like master this next new framework. And actually, a lot of the time, for it's not even necessarily an employer because obviously employers like it if you can speak to the client, be that an internal user or uh, yeah. external partners, and you will stand out if you're commercially skilled as a dev. Um, but you know, if you go that extra step, and a lot of our listeners are indie hackers or want to be indie hackers, um, then dealing with clients and marketing, like it's it's that's what's going to make the difference because someone could plug away building an amazing solution um, in their basement and then never actually tell anyone about it. Like mm-hmm. how many times has that happened? Like. It's like, uh, it's like, it's kind of a parallel with musicians today, I think. Um, the musicians that are blowing up now in Gen Z are the ones that master, uh, that are mastering TikTok and hopefully mastering music as well. Although some of the stuff I've heard recently, maybe not so much, but, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're great musicians who know how to leverage, um, leverage the commercial side of their skills. And mm-hmm. they don't think that they're above the commercial side, which I think sometimes devs can creep into thinking they're a bit above doing commercial stuff. And actually it's just so important to be able to leverage that and also not being afraid of things like chat GPT, like the cat's out of the bag. You've got to kind of use it. Uh, you have really. to embrace it. Like There's you, no other way. Yeah. Yeah. You got to play with the culture of doubt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, regarding uh, UI libraries. So I, I definitely think UI libraries will will disappear as well. Like everything will be consolidated and uh, we will be able to just generate something with an AI or AI agents or whatever. And you, yeah, the, like you see it already, like the... Everywhere you look online now, all the designs are starting to look similar, and uh, mm. like there's not a lot of difference anymore. And I th- I really think all, everything will be more and more consolidated, and uh, I I don't think that's that's a bad thing, um, because like we, yeah, if you have different applications that look very similar to users, um, if they use all these applications, it becomes much easier for them to learn it and to understand it and because they all look similar, they have. I'm not, I'm not talking about competition, but uh, for example, I will, you see this with with iOS. Like iOS mm-hmm. has certain building blocks, patterns that you use to build applications, and we don't really have this on the web. Like all these UI libraries look very different, have different patterns, different styling. Everything is, is different. So for every application, people have to kind of relearn the UX, and uh, I, I I think this will will kind of change. Yeah. Um, and yeah you can pretty soon already just uh, with um, what is it called mitosis you can write the component in mitosis and you can just uh, export it to whatever front-end framework you want to use like th- this is becoming the norm i think and um yeah then yeah you, n- you need to be able to 
to build something with it. So it's, it becomes important to understand users, understand what problems to solve, uh, talking to users, get information, uh, uh, get feedback. And, and these kind of skills become more and more important as well, I think. So, uh, yeah, you, you like building building something is 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 just not even halfway there. You need to solve the right problem. You need to... Um, do all of that yeah yeah absolutely i think with the with all these uh ai tools coming out like the value add is going to be how well can you cater to your customers needs and mm -hmm. you know respond to them appropriately um for, if everything kind of converges and as you say potentially we end up with a universal um kind of design pattern uh almost and uh yeah, because it's interesting to say that because I wondered if it was either going to go, everything was going to converge and be the same or instead of if we did move away from UI libraries and everyone to basically just said to ChatGPT, oh, design me um, the uh, this com this React component with X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly every site looks completely different from each other. Uh, I figured it could go one of two ways. Um, so it'd be interesting to see kind of how it goes from there. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that could be one way that no code will evolve. You just uh, mm. give the AI a prompt, what you what problem you want to solve, and like uh, possibly there won't be even a need for SaaS products anymore because you just prompt something to the AI and it will generate your private SaaS product that solves your specific problem in in your company, in your shop or wherever, uh, and you don't need other developers or companies to build so something that solves your problem. You know. I, could be go go so far like this yeah yeah we maybe we yeah maybe we need to go and all study english degrees to make sure our prompts are perfect now if that's the way <laughs> it's going <laughs> yeah yeah and um yeah i mean uh, other than that was there um anything else you'd advise around um using ui libraries and then if people want to find out more about sas ui where, where can they go um sas-ui.dev the website or sas underscore js on twitter um yeah just check it out and, and try it out and there's a uh large part is open source and free to use so uh yeah you can it gives you some extra components to build with checker ui uh, like a very very powerful form builder uh that yeah really helps you to build advanced forms uh very fast and it integrates with zot and and yup for schema validation um and yeah, that, that's that's where I, and my of course my my personal uh, Twitter handle Pagebreakers. Pa Pagebreakers is still my initial co company name when I started out like uh, 19, 18, 19 years ago uh, when I was building websites. So very nice, cool, and all those uh, all those links would be uh, in the description. But yeah, thanks so much for coming on the uh, on the show, Elko. This is a really cool chat, and I'm really excited to start building uh, some more with uh, with SAS UI actually. So hopefully users of startup grad jobs will be able to see some of that uh, in action uh, on my uh, on my product soon. So uh, yeah, sounds really good. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was, uh, oh, <laughs> my voice was. Uh... It happens to me like every episode as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks a lot. It was actually a lot of fun and uh, not, not so scary after all to do it. So it was perfect. <laughs> thanks a lot. Hey, you're an absolute natural. Um, <laughs> and for listeners who want to hear from more from me, you can find me on Twitter under CamBlackwood95. And as I mentioned, do please check out Startup Grad Jobs. Thanks for listening.